This is where normal comes to die. Mediocrity meets its final demise, and the status quo is unabashedly dismantled. Welcome to Reinvention Radio. Now, here's your host, Steve Olsher. Alrighty, welcome to another edition here of Reinvention Radio. Steve Olsher hanging out with... Richie Otay, what's up, my brother? How are you, sir? Doing great. How about you? I'm uh, doing a okay, and uh, Mary Goulet is out doing her fun work in the world. Kelly's got it under control back at headquarters, and uh, Wade is going to be bringing up our guest here very, very soon. But um, I have to tell you, dude, like, I, I will be the first to admit, until we just started getting into this discussion here, I didn't even see the black eye. <laughs> like I did not. Yeah, but we'll leave it at that. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> but it's not the black guy of the show. It's just you're just carrying yeah, up no, the black guy at this point. But the other guy looks a lot worse, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Too old for that nonsense. <laughs> Too old for that nonsense, man. I don't know. I'm turning. I'm turning fifty this year. Are you? Uh, you're. I just did. You just did. Yeah. 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 Or recently, you know. Yeah. Well, you know, man. Never too old to get in a little scrappy scrappy push comes to shove. <laughs> uh, well, like I said, the uh, the other guy looks a lot worse. So there you go. All right. So look, man, I uh, I want to make sure that we give our our guests here today plenty of time to to come on and share his brilliance. And uh, this is actually somebody that I've known uh, for quite a bit of time here. And we're, we're going to be talking about today, um, and this is something, uh, I don't know if this is something that you've done, I mean, I'm sure you've done these uh, at, at some point in your in your career, um, but have you done a, uh, let's just call it a virtual summit, is that something? Oh yeah, I think you, they're fantastic. Yeah, you've done, I, you've done a lot of those over I'm, the years. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to this too. Yeah, and so we're going to get Navid's uh, input on that here, let's see if we can't uh, bring him up here shortly here, but uh, I got to tell you, I, I, I don't know man, from my perspective, I'm just not, I'm just not 100% sure if they're still... Uh, let's just call it a value in from the standpoint of creation. Like, mm. cause I know that, I mean, a ton of time goes into having to create these summits. And, and so are they still as effective as they once were? I, I know like, you know, the model for most folks is they have to mail their lists and then the, you know, the summit creator ends up getting the benefit of all those people kind of coming into uh, their mailing list, and and then they sell the recordings. And I mean, I understand how the model works. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if it's if it's something uh, that still makes sense today. But we'll we'll, we'll find well, out. From, what's from interesting? Navi. I was going to ask you too is if the real value for the creator of it is in getting a list and also monetizing the recordings. Right, that's the main monetizing the recordings. Right, I think uh, so. Yeah, combination of those two. You get to build your list, and you're monetizing the recordings. Mm-hmm. But in this world with so many courses, yeah, and so many people creating, and so many people looking for your time live, yeah, like that's what's going to be interesting to talk to them about. Like, where's that? Where's that sweet spot? Yeah, and I get invited to do summits all the time. Um, I turn most of them down now. You know, just because I have found that uh, mailing for a, a summit to my list just, I don't know, just the, 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 the ROI just really isn't 
isn't there. So I don't know. Let's see. Naveed, try to turn on your cameraman and let's uh, see if we can't get you rocking and rolling there. Now we can see you. So that's all well and good. And what is going on, my brother? What's going on, man? Hey, dude. Excited to be here. Yeah, dude. Good to see you. Glad you are here hanging out with us. Glad you can hear us. Okay. So am I off base, man? Our, our, Our virtual summits. Are these things still alive and well? Like I've, I, I don't know, man. Like my jury is is out. I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. In some industries, they have been done a lot, like online marketing, the health industry, and stuff like that. But we have students in our program, virtual, I mean, mastering hundreds of markets, right? So they work very well. And in some markets, they are, they are not overdone. And in markets where they are, it's more competitive, right? Like the online marketing space, you get, you said you get invited to a lot of summits, yeah. the health industry, there's a ton of them. You just got to make them stand out in a way. And you mentioned also the recordings. Yes, you can monetize that. You grow your list. I mean, that's part of the model a little bit, but you know, to us, the summit is just kind of the beginning. You can also do a lot for your speakers in terms of kind of repurposing a lot of this content. You can push it out there. You can also, you know, make money in, off the back end to actually add more benefits to your speakers as well with kind of your programs. You can promote them afterwards. I mean, there, there's a ton of benefits. But I'm sure we can get into that today. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. So l- let me just make sure folks have an understanding uh, of your background. So uh, what makes you an expert in this whole world of, of virtual summits? And, and how did you get to this work? Because th- this wasn't always part of what you did. Yeah, correct. So I was uh, initially not bringing you back too far, but I mean, I was a few years ago, I was in law school. That was what I went into right after high school. I'm originally from Sweden. So I grew up there, you know, my mom, Swedish, my dad, Iranian. So I was expected to kind of go into this traditional path, either becoming a doctor, dentist, engineer, or lawyer. I got into law school in Sweden. So I went there for a few years, didn't really enjoy it, and then kind of dropped out a few years in. But it was really a kind of a turning point in my life when my younger brother, he passed away just suddenly. And then I kind of needed kind of to shift gears. Also, I made a commitment to make, you know, something work, you know, and I had already found kind of, you know, the four hour work week and all of this. And then I started just kind of interviewing people initially, like with a podcast basically and a blog, just kind of connecting with people in the online marketing space a little bit and learning more about this world of entrepreneurship. But I wasn't growing my list very quickly. I, you know, I didn't know much at the time. Just didn't grow my list that fast. Didn't generate much revenue. Then I hosted, kind of by chance, I came across these summits in the health industry. They were growing their email list quickly, generating revenue. And then I did my first one. That was back in 2014. That was a few years ago. And uh, so I did that. You know, grew my list very quickly with it. And that's kind of how a lot of people started to just kind of come to me first. I did a lot of consulting, helped Chandler Bolt and. Now we've helped also people like Neil Patel with kind of my team has run summits for them and done their websites and everything. We do do our own summits and we have helped hundreds of students generate hundreds of thousands of dollars in revenue and uh, or email subscribers and millions in revenue actually these days per year from their summits. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, I was going to ask. So you were mentioning earlier that there's a, a lot of different verticals that people are utilizing summits with right now and that would make sense right because a lot of them are kind of maybe over exhausted to your point Chandler Bolt like I've seen a lot of the book publishing people doing it a lot of internet marketing people doing it at what point are you kind of cannibalizing each other's lists like that just seems like I mean Steve's in the the middle of the incestuous nature of that kind of business yeah and it's just like how do you 
keep adding value when that's going on because it kind of seems like we're just passing back same people. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's a great question. I think a mistake a lot of people make when they're doing this. I mean, it's good to kind of have some, some of the same people if you have your connections already and all this. But I think there's so many people these days. What I do, I mean, you know, where if you're doing, like doing list building school 2.0 in a few months from now, and, you know, if I only got the same people like that, I, that every other summit or every other launch have going for, that's not going to do that well. I'm trying to find also these kind of hidden gems, but they're also doing well. Like they're growing quickly. Maybe they are not part of every other launch. So there are definitely people out there who are open to it. Like I've had probably so far for the next summit we are doing in a very competitive industry. And like we have 28 or so people so far, or even 30, I think now today I have two other ones. So they, they are going to go behind it and promote. They have like commitments and we are doing a lot for these speakers, right, to to share. And the more people who sign up for the summit, the more uh, obviously the benefit of the speakers plus what we do afterwards for them. So it's just kind of the positioning it in the right way. I think that's very important these days, especially in competitive markets where, you know, they might get invited to a lot of summits sometimes. So mm-hmm. I, I don't feel they can, you know, canalize the list or anything like this. Obviously, I don't, I do my own summits. So I don't promote a ton of them. I share sometimes when I'm speaker on some really valuable summits, but you know, I, I can see the point there for some people and we don't even require necessarily speakers to promote. We just make it, you know, a win-win basically for the speakers and a lot of them end up sharing it. And do they share, do the speakers share in the revenue of the recorded or is that yeah. mostly the host? Uh, yeah, we, we basically give 50-50 like the split. I mean, if they if they make a sale, you know, they promote it. 50% commission, obviously, it's not too much. Like an all-access pass, maybe $67 to $97 in most markets. So that's not too much. But it's more like also being seen next to these other speakers. And also, if you have a backend on your own, you can obviously promote that. And also, this the speakers can uh, link up. The, they can have the lead magnets. Maybe they have an offer, for example. Then you can obviously promote that. You can also promote that to the, your entire kind of bigger lists after the summit to add more value to these uh, speakers you have on if let's say they supported you. I mean, it's just kind of the right way to do it after and support them a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. So let's let's talk about the metrics then. And, and, and again, I just want to make sure folks are clear on this. So the idea of a virtual summit is you you have an area of expertise. I mean, let's just say that you're, um, I don't know, you're a chiropractor, right? And like, that's just, that's just what you do. You're a chiropractor, right? So you bring in other chiropractors or other people in your vertical, people who come and they just share their brilliance, their insight as it relates to that particular subject. You interview these guys, you release the the interviews like one a day or maybe two a day or something of that nature over a period of time. And then you uh, hopefully get all of those folks to promote it to their social media followings, to their email list, et cetera, et cetera. And then at the end of this, you say, hey, if you miss any of the recordings, you can grab all the recordings here for one low price, 67 bucks or whatever that, that price point is. Give us a sense of the of the metrics behind this. So for for a virtual summit, like in its heyday versus what you're expecting to do now, or maybe this is the heyday and maybe the numbers are just increasing and uh, maybe I yeah. just have it wrong. But yeah. like, let's just say hypothetically you have 30 people who are being interviewed. Each person has, I don't know, 10,000 people on their list. So maybe you've got you know a total reach of, of 300,000, maybe as many as a million people. People have larger lists. How many of those folks actually then sign up typically on average for a summit to see one or all parts of it? And then of those, 
typically as a percentage how many people then buy the recordings? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. I think, I mean, it's obviously depends on the open rates and everything in the market and, you know, how engaged their list is. I, I also look for that. Like when I bring on people, they're going to have an engaged following, right? And so I think if, if you get, you know, 30 people, they have all, let's say, a million reach with their email list. I mean, you can they have an engaged following. You can get, you know, 20,000 people signed up, maybe a little more. But let's say like on conservative number, like 10 to 15,000 people in this case. I mean, if you even get less reach, I mean, a few thousand people, let's say you start from scratch. We have many people like starting from scratch in many different markets and they get a few thousand people. Mm-hmm. But in the all access pass conversion, let's say from a free opt-in to sale, they get, I mean, in online marketing space is a lot more competitive, for example. So for a past summit we hosted, we get about nine to 10% conversion rate. And some people get higher from my own list. I get actually, you know, 15 to 16% for most affiliates to getting between anywhere like eight to let's say 14% conversion rate there. And that's a pretty, that's a very good conversion rate in my market. But yeah. let's say in other markets like play therapy or it was another one in heart, heart niche, like playing the instrument heart, they got, they got like 21 to 30% conversion rate. That's incredible. Like, mm. over, that's insane to me. Like, but that's, they haven't seen too many summits, of course, and there's not so many other things maybe going on. Like, the, I mean, our market here on the marketing, there's a ton of things going on. So you have to really make sure what you're doing really stands out in competitive niches like this. So, mm-hmm. and, and that's just kind of the beginning. So yes, you can make a lot of money from just an all-access pass. You can make six-figure even profit. I mean, I made six, well over six figures from my past summits we have done for the all-access pass alone. And then over time, let's say I had over 26,000 people sign up. That was for a past summit we hosted. Then over time, the lifetime value was so high. So over time, although the summit just generated a multiple six figures during the time I was running it and with a back-end promo as well, then over time, that, that generated over a million dollars. So that's kind of what you can sometimes expect if you monetize that audience with maybe affiliate promotions. You, you might even bring in some sponsorship with kind of tools and stuff like that on the summit as well. And there's a lot, lot you can do with it to increase revenue. Yeah, I was going to um, kind of look at this from the point of view of it's reinvention radio. And there's people out there that are wanting to reinvent themselves and reinvent what they're doing and who their market is and who their target market's going to be with what they're going to be doing. So a lot of these people, um, I'm hearing here, it's a lot of promotion of people who have lists. What about for the person who doesn't have a list yet? Do they have a chance at getting in on some of these summits and potentially building their list, but maybe they're just bringing an expertise that no one else in that summit has? Or how does that work? Yeah. You mean someone who has expertise and they want to speak at a summit? Is that kind yeah, of but, but they yeah. might not be able to promote a list. Okay, got it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think let's say you're a professor or whatever at the university or you're like really successful at what you do. I actually recommend my students sometimes if you are in a market, maybe not everyone will have lists that you invite on as a speaker. Obviously, on my summit, if I'm hosting a list building, so everyone got to have a list. But some markets, you just need an expertise on something. And I think having a mix of different speakers and different skill sets, I think makes even a better summit. And some of our students, they don't even, you know, focus only on the, you know, speaker side and affiliate promotion. They actually get, one student got a lot from Twitter, which would kind of, that would not be very powerful for me, for example. They got, they get from other, like, for example, Facebook ads could be a little bit cheaper in some markets as well. So they get more opt-ins from there as well. So let me let me just see if I'm I'm getting this here and and uh, again 
appreciate the candor around this just so we can help people really understand, you know, if this is a, a good option for them, both as a, as a creator of, a, of, a, of an online summit and, uh, of course, as a participant as well. Uh, and by the way, uh, the only reason I didn't say your, your last name, I mean, when you came on, uh, is because I didn't want to completely butcher it. So <laughs> okay. how do no you actually pronounce your yeah, last yeah, name? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, my first name is Navid, obviously, and my last name is Moazes. So Moazes, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would have yeah. totally butchered it. Yeah, so, no worries. Moazes, okay, I got it. Yeah, that's that's good. A, yeah, I guess I should probably at some point have given you the opportunity to actually say who you are. So now that we're, yeah. you know, 15 odd minutes into the <laughs> discussion here, it's probably an appropriate time to say who we're actually talking to today um so let me just see if i can run these numbers correctly here then i mean like on and again on it's on a niche market like if we're talking about harp playing or or that sort of thing i mean i would venture to guess like you said that the conversion rates are going to be much higher because it's such uh, a niche market there well they probably haven't seen as many offers yeah right either, right yeah, so i mean how many sure. offers do you see for harp lessons so they finally see one they're like yeah, yeah i'll yeah, take it right um <laughs> So I can see how the conversion rate then would definitely be higher on that. So even if we get up to, you know, let's just say 25%, the number of people who would be in that pool, that bucket, if you will, is probably going to be, you know, on the smaller side of things, maybe 2,500 or 5,000 people. So you can yeah. get to, uh, you know, certainly a, a higher conversion rate, and that's that's sure. going to make perfect sense. But on a larger, on a larger uh, virtual summit here, so if we've got, let's just say, 30 people, you know, call it even as much as a million people that it could go out to, Maybe everybody's got 30,000 odd people on their list. You're saying that, you know, somewhere around 10,000 or so people, like about a 10%, uh, a 1% rate or so, will then go ahead and say yes to to opting in for that, which would be great. You know, if you can get 1%, I mean, you're, you're doing well. Yeah. And of that, then you're saying, if, let's say there's 10,000 people in it, you can get maybe about 1,000 people to say yes to the actual recording. So 10%, we got 1,000 people now. At sixty-seven bucks a pop, we're looking at uh, well sixty-seven grand, and then you're splitting that with the affiliates, right? So they're getting half of that. So now we're down to let's just call it thirty-five k. Is is that it, just help me understand? Because it's not the thirty-five k yeah. that you're doing it for, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Because that because on the I'm surface it wouldn't make it any sense. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm glad you're breaking it down like this because it makes people understand even better. Because yes, I mean. I'm doing summits because I'm getting paid to build my list. You know how much money you would pay to get 10,000 or even like us, we're getting like 30,000 people sign up. You would pay a lot of money for that upfront and the Facebook ads cost getting more expensive, right? Mm-hmm. So we are getting paid to build our list. A big percentage of people, much higher than most launches or anything like that, actually saying yes because you have a good offer, position it well, and it's really the back end afterwards. And even if you don't have a product yet, maybe you are starting out, it doesn't really matter. The summit obviously becomes your first product, kind of your speakers, and together with them, that becomes a product. Yes, it's a lower price product, but it's still a great entry level offer. Let me uh, the- let me pause you for one second though, because I think you bring up a great point, and that is in terms sure. of the you know, let's just do a comparative analysis here. So, do you do you have a sense of what it costs? And Richie, maybe you got a sense because I know you're deep into this as well. Do you have a sense of what it costs to secure a, a, a qualified, a highly qualified lead, if you will? through some of the other channels like like Facebook? What what does that cost nowadays to get a decent lead? Oh, man. Yeah. It depends on your niche. So it let's depends. say it's something, I don't know, like like this, where it might be online marketing as an example, where you have an online marketing specific product. You're selling a latest, greatest, shiniest funnel or I don't know, something well, like that. <laughs> online marketing's tough because the marketers, look, even though we're all somewhat marketers too, like 
we got to admit, we wreck stuff. We we break stuff. We pollute too many things sometimes. Yeah. And so I'll just I'm going to go to two far extremes, and then I obviously would love to hear from him because you're a guest today. Yeah. But um, if you took it to a far extreme and did something like a San Diego DUI, and you were bidding for that, it's like fifty bucks a click. A click. That's a not click. even an option. Fif- it's just a it's click. not even a click per click. And they probably, because I helped one with this, probably take it's just shy of ten clicks before they get a client. Wow, so five hundred bucks, but per client. But they're getting on average five grand. Okay, so right? you so you would do that and all day. So long. you're going to do it all day because yeah. because here's the thing, and this is the reason why I took it to the extreme: is someone just looking around and browsing for San Diego DUI? Yeah, no, you're, need you, you right you need now. it right now, right? And so, and then you can go all the way to the other extreme, like ice cream near me or something, you know? So mm-hmm. it's really situational. I'd love to hear your input, though, Naveed. Do you have a sense of that, Naveed? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, some <laughs> this is like 50, 50 a click here. Yeah, but, I mean, I'm when I'm looking at, I mean, summits, for example, I see kind of being used Facebook ads for it. So it's like an amplifier for us. It's not, not necessarily the, you know, the main thing we are looking for, although like a cold traffic would cost a lot of money. So if you have already built up a great Facebook following and you're doing videos every week and stuff like that, it's going to be a lot cheaper for you to get these. It's going to retarget. You can yeah. you know, benefit from that. And also when you're getting a ton of, let's say you have already affiliate speakers who will promote for your summit, of course, you can't retarget you're getting a ton of traffic to your pages. And that's going to probably be, at least for a summit, the biggest bang for the buck, right, to get those. But, I mean, it will cost way, way more. I'm not going to get, I'm not like an Facebook ads expert or anything like that, but it will yeah. cost way more than, you know, getting these, you know, the 10,000 will call 10,000 leads will cost a lot of money. Obviously, you're, if you're just running to get leads, that's not make any sense. So you got to have that for a funnel. Mm-hmm. But depending on what you're offering, of course, you can make ROI. But for a summit, you're getting that, you know, Without any investment really up front besides kind of relationship with speakers and stuff like that, that's kind yeah. of, what, of what's, what, what's the win here, though, for the participant? I mean, like, I'm, I'm trying to understand, like, if I've got a list of, of 30,000 people and then I'm sending you 30,000, you know, well, I wouldn't send you 30,000 leads, but I mean, like, <laughs> you know, if I, if I mail it out to my people, it's taking me a long time. And I'm just using this as a hypothetical. I mean, our list is larger than that. But if you if you have... You know, 30,000 people on your list is taking a lot of time. As you said, it costs a lot of money for that to happen. I'm mailing to that list. You're, I don't want to say poaching those leads because that would be, you know, rude to say. But you're getting the benefit of getting those folks onto your email list. You're not paying. Are you paying me to, to speak? Probably not. Right. So. Yeah. So why do, why do I do it then as a, as a participant? What's in it? What's in it for me? Yeah, when you reach out to someone, you got to make sure, I mean, what, what are they looking for? Some people, they're simply not interested to promote. We have like, I mean, there's some people with massive followings like celebrity influencers, like, I mean, maybe a Gary Vaynerchuk or someone like that. They're not going to promote the summit. Maybe they come on and speak. They have spoken at some of my student summit, but that's more like for, you know, people recognize him. That's great to have them on the summit. But then we have kind of these more trusted authorities, maybe up-and-comers as well. They're great to build relationship with. And you have to make sure when you reach out to them that you position it well. So, of course, they're gonna be, you're going to make sure their session is great. You have great content on there, first of all. That's you know very important on Summit. And so they share kind of unique stuff and stuff like that. And then also linking up wherever, if they have something, something they pro- want to promote, maybe not selling on the Summit, but at least linking up their lead magnet, maybe promoting them afterwards, repurposing that content, maybe even going behind one of their promotion if it's a good fit. Something like that. I think it's 
that that makes it more that makes more sense, right? I mean, you might start from scratch now, but after the summit, you got to build up a bigger audience so you can be a supporter. Sometimes these up and comers I built relationships with years ago, they are now like at the very high level, and they are happy mm. to kind of support, right? So I don't only look for the biggest biggest guys out there, but they obviously got to have you know authority on the topic we are speaking on on the summit. That's very important for sure. Mm. So go ahead, Reggie. I was just going to ask: Do you have some form of uh structure or hierarchy or maybe it's in your course <laughs> yeah. where it's like you know it's uh this many you want at least this many people that have a list you want you'd like to get yeah. this percentage of people that are just authority but they're not going to have a list and just like yeah structure. i look for people i'm interested in like i put together this kind of dream i mean russell brunson and other people talk about this like dream 100 list or I mean, you can expand on this too I think that's important. Whether or not you want to do summit for anything, that's important. I think to have a list of people you can actually keep building the relationship with. And the sooner you can start building relationships, the better. And then you can have, you know, a certain, it's not really a matter of certain percentage, but if you're starting from scratch and only, let's say, go for A-listers, let's say, you know, every single like big, you know, celebrity influence said, yes, it's going to be very difficult for you to get the promotion for your summit, right? Because they are, they are busy and stuff like that. So that's why, Maybe when you're start from starting out, maybe you don't have much of an audience yet. Then go for the up and comers, and maybe some, you know, the you know people with authority have a decent list already. People like that, I would definitely go for more and have a maybe just a few of the kind of the big big names on there. And it's not even needed to ha- have that. The trusted trusted authorities, the people with authority in the market, they're really good to connect with and have on your summit, basically. And then add as much value as you can to them up front if you can. If you're going to do summit, let's say, six months from now, start building relationships. That's something you should do anyway as you, you know, go go about this. Then you, you're going to be more successful when you come with an ask or doing something like this. So what is an average, let's say two things. What's an average cost for someone to do one of these summits by the time you build out all the pages and, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is you're doing there? And then um, the average length of time it takes you to pull yeah. that off. And it depends kind of how you're structuring it. But let's say you do a five to ten, seven day summit with 20 to 30 speakers. That's typically what I would recommend kind of to start out. You can also do in between kind of bigger ones. You do like one day summit, you can get into that's like, you know, not as much, you know, work to do it. But I think you get more results as you start out with doing it five to seven days. So it would take about 90 days, at least with the way we are teaching it. And, you know, students might have access. I mean, we gave basically my students like templates and everything and uh, all of that to kind of speed up the process. Because yes, the most expensive thing, if you're going to go out and do it, is probably, the you know, creating the website assets, like all the pages. And that's obviously a cost, might cost you a few thousand dollars if you don't have, you know, you can do it your, your own with ClickFunnels or WordPress or whatever you're using, right? And so that might be a cost. There's some tools. There's usually your regular tools you're using in your business already. Like, you know, you have a shopping cart, you know, maybe affiliate program. I use like Thrivecart for this. This is it's not too expensive. You need a webcam, microphone. It's the regular stuff. You need to you need the same stuff to run your business anyway if you want to do anything online pretty much. So I don't see anything different for anything you want to do in an online business. Just the Summit website, essentially. That's That's about it. Yeah, so let me ask you this then. As, as far as the the summits are concerned today, do, do you, like right now, we, we just added video to the mix not terribly long ago. I don't know why we didn't add it a lot sooner, but now we're actually finally deciding to record these, which makes more sense to me, yeah. given that so many people 
love video. Do you do you say that the summits nowadays have? Because I think they used to be sort of telesummits, right? Yes. Like by definition, yeah. I mean, that was how they started, right? Is these telesummits, mm-hmm. and for years, that's all they were was just audio and, and and so i don't know man do you, do you have to do it now uh, as you're describing with the webcam and record it or have you seen it done both ways or what what's your preference yeah absolutely i mean i think for i mean now the the quality of video is getting better and even for for our upcoming summit, upping the quality i just set this kind of set up here and i think that's getting the lower barrier to entry is getting lower so i think the connection with your audience and also the connecting with kind of your guests whatever it it's better when you have video and the perceived value is going up too. So for sure, if you can, if you have the proper internet for doing it, you know, definitely do video. And mm-hmm. I think that's going to help the old style telesummits. They were more like just kind of an audio call. It was usually quite bad audio on them and stuff like that. So don't do go that route. Go more like kind of virtual summits with video and have presenters that way. You'll leave a much better connection, as I said. As mm-hmm. well. how, how long does the average interview have to be for a summit? You know, it's, you know, keep it actionable. You're not going to go on and on with their story. So as long as it needs to be like, let's say, 25 minutes up to an hour, usually that's kind of our length, depending. It depends what it is, right? So it doesn't have to be too long. So you really just kind of, we talked about what's, you know, it just takes like 25 minutes to 45 minutes for a speaker to come on. And then they are getting quite good exposure if you are positioning well on the summit. And obviously, they can grow their list by being on the summit if you do a good job as a host and promoting them and stuff like that as well. So if you grow your list by, let's say, a few hundred people to some cases, they have a few thousand people as well. And in some extreme cases, like thousand to two thousand people coming on their list. I mean, that is worth their time for being there for a little bit <laughs> and then maybe maybe promoting to their list. But then you can also support them afterwards if they have a program or whatever that makes sense to you to share. Mm-hmm. That actually brings up a question I was going to have. It's a good point. It kind of ties together what you had said earlier, Steve, about, um, you know, let's just say you said poaching, but let's say it's an ethical poach. Right? <laughs> so um, you, you're doing a summit. You're probably not promoting another product on that summit, I'd imagine, right? But you're probably giving them something of some kind. So that's – for ease of calculation here, there's 10 people – they're all bringing 10,000 people to their, you know, 10,000 people on their list to it. Um, so there's 100,000 total people that could potentially be there. We know that didn't – all 100% aren't going to show up, but let's just yeah. run with that for a second. Um, you technically could get another 90,000 people on your list. Again, I know it's never going to close at 100%, but I'm just – easy calculation. So – is it in also the opportunity for that person to be so good to give so much value that maybe they have an, uh, a PDF or a checklist or something? So, hey, don't worry about taking notes. I'm going to give you everything I'm going to say in this checklist and give them the option. And then maybe they go to the landing page to, to collect those other 90,000 leads. Is that part of what's going on too or how? Yeah, I mean, I, I recommend even my my speakers when I do a summit, I recommend them to have something and we make like a button below the videos and obviously make we make them sound really good and we, we make sure we bring out the best out of them in the sessions as well, whether it's an interview or a presentation style. And we link that up basically. And also you can have like a resource list with all the kind of different speaker lead magnets as well. So they come on and obviously if someone is interested in 
let's say, profiting from podcasts, they might check out Steve's, you know, he has this directory for podcasters and all this. They might check that out, right? And that's sort of fantastic resource. So we definitely would mention that in that case during the session. And then that I make my sessions for a summit be as evergreen as possible. So I might not even mention, hey, welcome to this building school or something like that. I might actually make it so I can use this content later in some ways. Maybe I'll repurpose into a podcast. That's what Chandler Bolt actually did. He did two summits. You know, they did extremely well, like 30,000 opt-ins or so for both, hundreds of thousands of dollars in revenue. And then he turned that into a podcast. So he didn't record a session for like, I don't know, two years. And that became his podcast, which is really cool. Generated a few hundred grand more from that basically mm. so there's a ton of value you can add to speakers by just thinking outside the box i mean the kind of title of this session was like re- reinventing virtual summits i think we are doing something so i haven't really seen like people let's say just i mean a lot of this summit content collect dust in a membership site afterwards i think that's kind of the fear for a lot of speakers to do these summits they, i mean because they have been burned before right you have yeah. you know, a lot of crappy summits i think that needs to stop and we need to actually focus on how we can add value, how we can make more of this content evergreen, you know, run ads to these videos, run ads to short clips and you make, make sure they get more exposure and you're going to see when you come to the next, you know, maybe you invited for another summit later, they're going to be like, oh, I got, you know, a lot of exposure from this. I didn't even expect that. Now they might come on and say, okay, I'm, I'm all in. And that's pretty much what happens for some of our summits because we actually support our speakers and now we have a track record of doing it for a long time too. Mm-hmm. So let, let's let's kind of run through, if you don't mind, the as as succinctly but as clearly as you can. Let, let's run through the the steps yep. that are generally involved with creating a virtual summit. So if I'm so if I'm thinking about creating a virtual summit, and and I think we've talked. Enough here then about some of the really compelling reasons why you should think about doing so. Let's, and we've touched on some of these points here as well, but let, let's tie it all together now and, and look at it from the standpoint of what, what are the steps that someone needs to take if they want to create a virtual summit? And in what order would you recommend creating those steps and taking those steps? Yeah. For sure. I mean, I have a 16,000 word guide free, even without opt-in. I have also a cheat sheet. So you can, obviously, if I go quickly now, you can link that or something. It's sure. just virtualsummitguide.com. It's like completely free resource okay. on my site we created. So even if you Google Virtual Summit, that should show up somewhere as well. So yeah, so what was the steps? So we have basically a seven-step system for creating summits. So the first thing is just to think about your foundation to kind of get your topic right. I think it's important to have a specific topic not like going, you know, so some people are maybe doing the online business summit or even, you know, the summit for women entrepreneurs. That's too broad. I mm. mean, people have seen that it's overdone. You know, I think by getting more specific, let's say if it was in a competitive industry like the health niche, uh, I have a student, instead of just hosting a health summit or a fitness summit, she not didn't even host a strength summit. She hosted the women's strength summit. That was a summit for women by women. And it was really successful because she went narrow you know with her topic i think just mm-hmm. narrow down really your niche until it hurts a little bit there even if you think you're not going to reach enough people i think you will because otherwise you're going to talk to no one if it's just too broad i mm-hmm. think that's kind of the advice especially if you're starting from scratch you're going to build your audience and you're going to build your expertise and position yourself better 
if it's more specific. So that's kind of step one. And also positioning the summit, making sure you have a unique hook for what you're doing, right? So maybe pick some different speakers, maybe have a different angle mm-hmm. on your summit if you have seen it done a lot in your industry. So I, mean, I, would, I, would, I would think that in of itself is probably pretty, well, on, on the surface it seems easy, but I think it's probably pretty complicated from from the standpoint of you don't want to go so so niche that there's not enough of an audience yeah for it like how many women you know want to be bodybuilders or strength you know like power lifters or i, I mean like you know what i mean like I'm, maybe that's yeah. not what they were doing there but yeah i'm, I'm just <laughs> trying to yeah just even from that standpoint like you want to go as you said you want to go pretty niche and narrow yeah. to try to attract the right audience. But I would think that's probably a, a pretty interesting balancing act too, it's no? Definitely. You can obviously don't go, I don't have a good example, but I think for her, she reached 20,000 20, women who signed up for her summit. Obviously, there's a ton more mm-hmm. like in the health health industry there. But I mean, even like a really niche one, like with the heart, Harpist, I mentioned before, yeah. she got like two, I mean, you mentioned like 2,100, I think for her first summit, she made multiple five figures in revenue for that one. Wow. That was just all access pass. Then she launched a membership site in the back end and got recurring revenue from this, right? So oh, the membership site. Yeah, yeah. 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 So you can do a ton with this. Like, eh? so there's, there's definitely, but the balance is important. So that's step one, really kind of th- thinking about your topic, also doing it for the right reasons and having a solid goal behind this, stuff like that. And, you know, really going behind to actually support supporting your audience, your speakers, and obviously it will be a kind of a three-way win, like win for you, win for your speakers, and win for your audience. And mm-hmm. then when you have that foundation laid out, then you can go into actually, okay, now we are in step two, influencer strategy, right? You're going to make that list, the dream list. We mentioned it before, you know, make sure just because they are a big name, they might not be a good fit for your summit. So really think about who you want to have on your summit. Are they aligned with whatever you are doing, right? So that's extremely important to get the right speakers on board because you get the wrong speakers you're not going to get the right audience you aiming to get from this even if whether or not your speakers are promoting it's not going to convert very well because you have completely the wrong kind of setup there so when you're when you're talking about influencer strategy what you're saying is the guests you're you're talking about the guests absolutely the guests okay to some extent other partners but usually the 80 20 right i mean just to speak the speakers are that should be your focus to get great speakers on your summit. So you gotta kind of start doing that research a little bit. See, you can check on other podcasts, you can see what they are doing, check Google, whatever in your industry, and kind of search search for it if you're not so familiar. But you should have a good list of people in your industry to go for, right? That's okay. kind of I always keep that build the relationships ongoing, basically. Yeah. So that's kind of step two, and then you can reach out for to them when you know. It, if you, I, I talk about something called a ladder strategy. So start with people kind of you know in your network and then you know work yourself up. It's going to be a lot easier to get you know, the influencers on board. Then you have a few names and name drop in your email when you reach out. You know, that's going to make it easier to just get other people to say yes when they can recognize someone as well. So, so how, do you, how do you tap into some of those bigger name folks? Like do you, do you have a strategy or two that's worked really well to try to attract Someone yeah. that, that is, uh, you know, one of those heavy hitters, so to speak? You kind of have to time it sometimes. But let's say it's a Gary Vaynerchuk in my industry. I mean, Chandler had him on board. I think it was to kind of share around his book, to be honest. And yeah. and uh, be same with some other people. So, and sometimes it's just kind of a little bit luck when you get these big names. Because, okay, they have maybe a launch coming up and they want to promote that a little bit. Then they can get more exposure there. 
And you kind of have to check that. Like, because they are, they have their schedule. They have usually the year planned, like sometimes <laughs> 18 months in advance or whatever. So you have to kind of go. And you're not getting them on board usually to promote you. You will be very lucky. You have to, pro- you have to sh- promote them for a very long time and be kind of at their level to some extent sure. before they come behind to promote you. So that's kind of the game we are playing today, I think. And you can be lucky in some industries that... You know, they might promote you, but that won't happen really in the online marketing space. Let's just, mm-hmm. let's just put it that way. It's, well, it's, it's a lot longer. To your point from earlier, though, right before you go to step three, yeah. um, sometimes it's worth it just to get them on to have that face on your promotion material. And yeah, yeah. who cares if they don't promote you, right? I mean, big That's deal. That's part of the strategy a little bit. I mean, you're adding as much value as you can to them. At some point, everyone kind of started from scratch, right? So sometimes these influences... Either they want to give back, maybe they have a book coming out. And if you go behind that, they kind of, sometimes if they like you, they will come on board, right? So mm-hmm. that can happen as well. So if you're a likable person, you're doing it for the right reasons. I mean, they had a student, you know, just starting out. She had Seth Godin on, right? So he does a lot, but he he does some interviews, right? But he also, he wants you to kind of have followed him. He wants you to have, have read his books and do it for the kind of reason you really want him on there a video invite can really help with this too if you kind of want to really stand out from the crowd mm. yeah and i mean i i have found like i'm doing a um well by the time that this airs it uh, it will still not yet be released publicly but i'm, I'm doing a, a new program called closing from the stage which nice. specifically features folks and well it's a full-blown training that i did uh, around exactly that moment of truth and how to enroll more people from live events and, and from the stage. And it obviously is applicable towards podcasting and for webinars and so on, but mostly from the stage for, for speakers, right? And so um, it became really clear that part of what I could do is I could bring on some people who had a lot of expertise, some new school folks and some new school folks who would share some of their strategies and presentation psychology and so on around closing from the stage, and as I began lining them up, it became uh, an issue of trying to get that first domino to fall, right? Like if you can say, hey, this person is going to be in this, I have found that to be a much easier strategy, of course, to attract other speakers. But the Absolutely. other thing that I found is before you don't have that big fish, so to speak, on the hook, you could say something in your, uh, in your pitch to folks. You could just simply say something to the extent of, you know, I'm in conversations with people like X, Y, Z and would love for you to, to join us in, you know, in what we're doing here. Right. So just I'm in conversations with is uh, a, a line that I have used pretty yeah. successfully in the past, even if you don't have that big fish. So if you get that first one to, to, to bite the hook, you could say, you know, we already have commitments from, you know, blank big person and blank, blank, smaller person. And we're also in conversations with, you know, blank, big person, blank, big person, et cetera. Yeah. And I've just found that to be uh, an effective strategy as well. Yeah, totally. And also, if your market, they don't know what a virtual summit is, maybe yes, kind of talk, call it an online conference or whatever, like call it something so they can kind of relate to what it is or like, you know, make an analogy or something like that, you know, like a podcast or webinar, but with multiple speakers or a few. I mean, just kind of make that up a little bit as you go. In my industry, obviously here, we, we, most people know what it is, but still I occasionally I discover one or two who I have to explain a little bit more what we are doing with it. So, yeah. yeah. Should we go to step three? Yeah, yes. let's uh, let's run through those and then we'll yeah. uh, we'll try to circle back on some of this if we have time here. 
Yes, the step three is basically your kind of the summit funnel strategy and kind of setting all the pieces up. I guess this kind of, you can do this as you go, but it looks like the pages, you need like a registration page and all the different page, speaker pages, uh, session page. So that's basically sometimes, you know, as I said, it could be costly if you're going to go out, you know, hire designers and stuff like that. That's why we have created a lot of templates. That's what we, mm-hmm. we have done over the years. We have systematized a lot of these processes to just kind of for ourselves, but also for our students speed this up. And the, we typically have also two different lead magnets. We start, we have a playbook with like a PDF that can get up to 80% to, you know, someplace even more. Like I had once one, <laughs> one summit I was helping out and we got like up to 90% conversion rate on the opt-in page for a playbook, you know, PDF basically, or a template or whatever it can be. And then we also have the other one. It just kind of helps with affiliates. Kind of they have two different mm-hmm. options to promote. I like that. And just think you get better conversion rate from doing so. And then obviously you have, you know, so offer wait, so page. What, what was covered in the, in the playbook? I, I missed uh, this are some tips from the speakers, like some tips and also feature the speakers in there. It's just kind of strategies from the speakers or oh. from the summit. It's pretty simple to put it together. Uh, you know, so after you do the interviews, you then pull out some of those excerpts. You could uh, do it. I mean, if you could ask them before, you could do it. I tend to do like the summit pre-recorded sometimes because it just kind of helps with that. Otherwise, you might ask them for like the number one strategy for your topic and they can just share that and you include mm-hmm. it in the guide it's, or <laughs> research what they are doing simply and you can probably find that on, the, on, on their site or somewhere else. Yeah. So that's kind of what we are doing with that. And then you obviously want to have kind of this funnel set up. So you have a registration page, playbook. That leads into kind of a one-time offer or Lexus Pass upgrade. And that's kind of what we tested a lot. So we use kind of a deadline funnel there to make sure we just kind of have a one-time offer that, com- that you know, make increase our conversion rates a lot by having that $67 offer on that page, like the first page after opting in. And we get a very high percentage of people to upgrade. And then after, let's say, 15 minutes to an hour, depending on industry, you have to test this then you can make it go up to, let's say, $97. That's kind of the strategy, and that works extremely well for like, getting, as I said, like making your, you know, the free opt-ins turn into buyers. That's what you want, to, want there as well. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the, that's the funnel flow. Then you have obviously the sessions, speaker pages, all of that as well. But overall, that's kind of the flow. It's quite a simple funnel. But again, with the speaker pages, you just clone this essentially. It's not like you have to create every single thing <laughs> over and over. So that's that's kind of what you're doing with it. And you can use ClickFunnels, WordPress, whatever you, doesn't really matter what tool you use. That mm-hmm. we, we are not depending on that. So that's step three, kind of setting up the funnel. And then step four is really doing the sessions, right? Your summit session strategy, doing the interviews, make sure you are re- well researched before you do something like this. Like don't come on there. You want to look pro to them. Even if you just met them, you're going to look professional. You're going to be researched. You can actually pull out the best info from them. They also, maybe they are not likely to share it right, you know, you know, when they just heard from, heard from you for the summit. But after they're doing really well on a session, they might be likely to share it with their audience on social media or even their email list, right? If you do a good job with the session. So I think that's, Extremely important, you know, setting all that up and, you know, having a nice, mm-hmm. decent setup with the video. Then step five is to set up the automations for the summit, the emails and all that goes into that. Basically sending every day of the summit, you send to really one or even two emails and letting them know when things go live. And obviously automating that, use whatever email tool you are using. And then step six is the, my favorite, probably this promotion, the launch of the summit. So there's a ton of different things you can do for launching. You kind of have to focus on what makes sense to you, kind of the 80-20 of this. For us, for one of our biggest summits, we focused on my email list because I have, have one, obviously. We focused on 
the affiliates, the speakers, and also we focused on the, the some Facebook ads. That was an amplifier for us. But the main, the majority of opt-ins came from our speakers. So we focused in on that, obviously, to make sure they have everything they need to promote it. The swipe copy, you know, we did calls with them, we did, you know, kind of pre-chats with all the speakers and make sure they could kind of promote it. We almost you know, even customize some of this copy for them sometimes mm-hmm. if they needed it. So we did a ton for them, you know, my team. So what, if you're starting from scratch, maybe just kind of create a few emails so they at least can share it and make make it look professional. That's kind of what we are doing for, for our speakers and just kind of supporting them, have a Facebook group behind it, leaderboards, do some fun stuff uh, for your summit. And then kind of after that, I mean, you're launching it, then your opt-in started to come in and all that. I mean, you can do some live streams during the summit, you know, engage with people there. Even if your summit is recorded, I recommend kind of doing some live sessions during the summit. And then kind of my final step, step seven, that's really kind of what makes what we are doing a lot kind of unique because a lot of people teaching you how to do summits, you know, the, you know, how to host the summit and that's it. You know, we monetize the recordings, but the benefit for me, when I hosted my first summit years ago now, we did 3,000 opt-ins, 3,000 email subscribers about from that summit, 20,000 in profit. If I would have just stopped there, I couldn't retire $20,000. Even though it was 20,000 profit, I quit my job from that, moved abroad. I leveraged the momentum to the month after, like $40,000 with, with an affiliate promo I did for someone and, and for some other stuff we did as well. So you can actually leverage momentum, turn your summit, let's say evergreen, do something with a back-end funnel, like affiliate promotion or your own products, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. You can do a ton, repurpose the content. So summit is the beginning of something bigger. That's kind of the reinventing virtual summit part. Like I think yeah. that's the way they should be run. That's the way you're adding more value to you, your speakers, and your audience. That's the most important thing. Mm-hmm. That was really, really helpful. And so, again, when you look at the ways to monetize the summit, the, the, your, your top three then would be affiliate promotions to that list, turning the summit into some sort of evergreen product yeah. that you then offer for sale on an ongoing basis, and then offering your own Products of some sort that are obviously yeah. complementary somehow to to what the summit was about, yeah? Yeah, I mean, the evergreen part is interesting too. A lot of people, they say evergreen, like just offering the recordings. The problem is that won't convert as well if you just put it up for sale. So I actually, what we came up with, with kind of the virtual summit mastery framework and method they have, is that we actually have the summit, let's say you run it live first, like, you know, for over a few days, then you close it down like a closed cart, basically. It converts pretty well to do something like that, like a launch. Mm-hmm. And then you might open it up a few months from now. You can either relaunch it, maybe refreshing it up. That's kind of a live launch again. Or you can, if you have, let's say, a back end, you want to use your summit as part of kind of your front end funnel, you can actually just have people you know, sign up for that five-day summit again, but that will be kind of new people coming into it. And it's completely evergreen. And you can obviously have the all-access pass. You can have even your backend monetized or is set up so you can you can bring people into a high ticket funnel too. I mean, there's a ton you can do with this actually. I mean, I have a high ticket offer. We got to book a ton of calls for my next summit. So when people are the most engaged, we basically hit them with, you know, applications. So they can, they can schedule a call even during the summit, maybe not signing up for a webinar then because they, they are signed up for a summit, but at least signing up for a call with me or my team to kind of, say, you know, enroll them in a higher ticket program than just a summit. So mm-hmm. ton you can do with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really, really, really helpful. All right, just a couple minutes left here. Anything else that you want to add before uh, before we got to let you jump? 
Yeah, I mean, as I said, like, do like if you're thinking about doing summits, just kind of start building the relationships before you really need them. I think that's important. Like, do it for the right reasons and don't try to take from speakers like or influencers. That's kind of why sometimes in some industries, summits get a bad rep. I think it's really about kind of this mutually beneficial relationship and helping others and, you know, adding value. And sometimes you might. You know, just going with it. Don't expect anything in return, right? So it's just kind of, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do really well. And sometimes some, some, some of my students, they didn't do extremely well with their first summit. But then on summit three, when they had built up reputation, they maybe tweaked their topic. They started to crush it with like 15, 20, even 30,000 opt-ins, right? And that came by just not giving up. So just kind of keep sticking at it and you will do well. Yeah, point well taken. All right, Navid, let's, uh, let's give people an opportunity to connect with you. You said you've got this 16,000-word document that kind of breaks down. <laughs> well, it's not a document. It's on my site just to rank for it. It's really valuable. Just to rank for it. Smart. Smart man. <laughs> SEO yeah. still alive and well. Yeah, uh, I'm so getting good, uh, good, good leads from that. But yeah, man, yeah. anyway. <laughs> what, uh, so what, what is that site that folks uh, should check that out? You can just go like vir- uh, virtual summit guide. Uh, I mean, actually, now it might not be live, but like this is on my site is uh, navidmoasis.com slash virtual summit, uh, virtual dash summit. And you can also go to just we have a cheat sheet on my site as well, navid.me forward slash VSM slash cheat sheet, I think it is. And you'll just go to my website, navid.me, and you'll see kind of a free ebook there. And you can also download that. that that's the summary of kind of <laughs> i guess the sixteen thousand word guide with some additional things as well in it and you can connect there yeah let's um let's just spell that for those that uh might be spelling challenge like myself so just i want to make sure folks understand how to, how to spell your first name yeah it's n-a-v-i-d and then dot me that's the short link for okay. my website basically so you can find a lot of resources there we have a lot of free content on summits list building other stuff as well there yeah Naveed, man, really appreciate it. I know we've uh, we've known each other for a number of years and uh, great to, to finally connect here on Reinvention Radio and give you an opportunity to, to share so much of your brilliance and uh, we'll figure out other ways to play in the yeah. future. So thank you very much for joining us here on Reinvention Radio. Check out everything that Naveed is doing. Again, you can go to naveed.me, N-A-V-I-D dot M-E. And uh, Richie, I think we'll we'll just leave it at that, my friend. It's uh, you know, it's it's certainly a unique conversation that uh, that I wanted to have here for for quite some time. So I wanted to uh, bring one of the best of the best on, and I'm glad Navi was able to join us here today. All right, my friends, we will talk to you guys really, really soon here on Reinvention Radio. And for Richie Ote and for Mary Goulet, Kelly holding it down at headquarters and Whiteway holding it down there in the studio. We'll talk to you guys next time here on Reinvention Radio. Take care, everybody. You just got dismantled. Thanks for listening to Reinvention Radio. For more information about the show and your host, Steve Olsher, visit ReinventionRadio.com. You were born to do one amazing thing, but most people spend a lifetime trying to identify what it is. If you're at a job you don't like or are unemployed, if you're in a state of transition or just can't shake that nagging feeling that you were meant and made to do something extraordinary, the Reinvention Workshop is exactly what you need. Led by award-winning self-help author Steve Ulcher, the Reinvention Workshop will forever change your life. The Reinvention Workshop takes you step-by-step through Steve's proven formula that has helped 
so many get on the right path and be clear about what they were born to do. Take the first step for realizing the life you deserve and desire by visiting TheReinventionWorkshop.com today. No more delays, no more denial. Reconnect with your true self. Learn to live with purpose and conviction and become who you were born to be. The world is waiting for you. What are you waiting for? Log on to TheReinventionWorkshop.com. That's TheReinventionWorkshop.com. Workshop.com. 